John chapter 8. And we're going to be dealing with a fairly familiar passage of Scripture. I mean, even if you're not much of a Bible student, you've probably heard bits and pieces of this before. Um, but I'm going to ask you, as we always do when we come to passages that are somewhat familiar, to invite the Lord to help you see it with fresh eyes. Because every time, the, 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 the Scriptures are so deep and so dense and so rich with God's truth that every time we pass through there's something new to be discovered and so let's ask the Lord together right now Lord Jesus help us to come to this passage with fresh eyes may our hearts be open to hear you in a fresh way today as we explore this uh, very significant and important passage in Jesus name amen now in the gospel of John I've mentioned uh, this several times recently because we did a a series and finished up a few weeks ago um, that was looking at the seven miracles that John records for us in his gospel. The seven miracles that Jesus performed that jo John selected out of all the miracles that Jesus performed to talk about in his gospel. I also said to you that along with being built around these seven miracles that John records, the Gospel of John is also built around seven I am statements. And we're going to talk about one of those today. That Jesus said, I am the light of the world. How many of you have ever heard that before? So uh, that's, that's going to, we're going to see that here in, the, in its context. And that's my, my point. I want for you to hear these words in the context that they were originally delivered by our Savior. He was telling us something about himself. Obviously, he said, I am, the I am the light of the world. I mean, he, there's the other I am statements are coming to my mind really quickly. I almost said I am the resurrection of life. That's one of them. But here in this passage, he says, I am the light of the world. He's telling us that this is what, this is part of what I am. And I want you to see that in the context that he delivered it. So John chapter 8 verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery and when they had set her in the midst they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is, is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Notice he's not telling her, oh, this is fine, you know, continue on with the life you've lived. He doesn't say that. He says, I don't condemn you. Go 
and live differently. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. This story of the adulterous woman and her accusers, and, oh, this is such a rich passage and I've, you know, I personally have taught on that so many times and I never seem to get to the bottom to exhaust all that's here. And you certainly have heard plenty of other preacher people like me approach this subject. I'm not going to deal with, with all of that, although it's tempting. I just want you to see that when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, he was declaring a profound contrast. He has just um, been part of an extremely graphic, um, ugly, vicious portrayal of what this world is really like. What people are really like. What you and me are really like. Judgmental. Prideful. Hurtful. Lost. Broken. It's all on full display. It's all hanging out right there. But Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I don't know any passage in scripture that gives us more of this stark contrast between the light of God and the darkness of sin-scarred human beings. And I want to just talk to you today a little bit, just for a few minutes, about this amazing light that Jesus is in this dark world and how much we need it. How much we need him. Amen? Amen? Boy, do we ever. Now, I used to live in a place called Visalia. It's out in the Central Valley. I was only there for about two and a half years. I was, uh, I don't need to tell you why I was there. I was pastoring a church and anyway. Um, but if you've ever uh, spent any time out in the, you know, Fresno to Bakersfield, Stockton, that whole stretch down along in there in the central part of our state, you know that during the wintertime they can get really socked in with this low-lying tule fog, they call it. And, it, you know, you honestly, liter literally, you can go a month without seeing the sun. And I, I uh, man, that was hard for me. My, my son was, I was with my son this week. Um, we were working on our, our cabin down in Southern California for a few days and he lives in Portland, Oregon. I couldn't even do that. I couldn't live in Portland. But out there, man, day after day after day after day of just gray, dark gray, it would drive me nuts. And I'd get in my car and I'd drive, it's about probably about a, 30 minute or 30 mile drive it might take a little maybe 45 minutes but I drive to a place called Three Rivers it was just above the fog on your way up into the Sierra Nevadas and you get it's so it's such an amazing feeling you bust through this dark gray stuff and it's bright sunny up there somehow and you feel like you've gone to another planet but it feels so good I used to get on my car and just go oh 
one time when I was, uh, you know, uh, oh, probably in my late 20s, I visited Alcatraz in the San Francisco Bay. I'm sure many of you have too. It's one of the major, uh, um, you know, destinations for people visiting our, our region. Um, and one of the things, at least at, the t at that time, that they did when you were on the tour is they took you into a solitary confinement cell, not by yourself, thankfully, but with other people, and they closed the door. And it's pitch black in there. You can't see anything. When they say, you know, you can't see your hand in front of your face, you literally cannot. There's no light, period. And it's cool for about, you know, two seconds. <laughs> and then it's like, can they open the door, please? We aren't meant to live in the dark. We weren't designed physically for it, for it. But there's something about our souls, something about the deeper parts of us that the darkness of our own sin causes to die. That's what Jesus said. When you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll die. We need the light of the world. But thankfully, <laughs> our Savior showed up to declare what light, the light of God, is like. And for the next few minutes, I just want to remind you of some very simple things. Some things that describe what light is is like and most particularly what the light of God is like because I feel like the Lord wants to meet some of us in our darkness and bring to light so it be I just feel like the Lord might want to help you like me on the road to three rivers burst through the cloud that hangs over your life and find that place where oh my gosh that's what Jesus did that day in a very dark situation. He can do that for you now. So, light attracts. Have you noticed that? This is kind of a weird example, but you know, whenever you go camping and you put out your camp light, what happens? Every bug in the universe comes to your campsite, right? Because light attracts. Not so much anymore, but when I was a kid, you know, often uh, businesses that were opening up or, you know, car dealerships that had special sales going on or whatever, they would rent these things called searchlights and just beam them up into the sky, you know, these, these very bright lights. And you'd be, you know, minding your own business uh, out, you know, cooking hot dogs in the backyard and you'd see this big, you know, light and go, wow, I wonder what that's for. Well, that's what it's for. So that you'll say that. What's that for? And go find, you know, whatever hot sale or store was being opened, you know. Right? It, it attracts. Light attracts. Light in a dark place attracts. And, you know, there's a lot of people in our day, you might be one of them, who, you know, don't think very highly of Christians or of the church. And I get that, really, I do. We don't often behave very much like Jesus. But I want to introduce you to Jesus. 
He is the light of the world. And our world is, I think, more than ever attracted to him because we live in such dark times. If you've been wondering what it is that you are longing for in this world, let me tell you, it's the light of the world. It's Jesus. That's what you're longing for. Light also attracts. Excuse me, I already said that one. Forgive me. You know, I, have, I wear bifocals. And if I don't get my, my lenses just right, I see double. You didn't need to know that, but... <laughs> And I got some notes here in front of me and I was seeing double. I think the screen said warms, right? Yeah, light warms. Um, you know, I was out for a walk one time not that long ago. And where I live, there's a, you, you know, it's about a block from my house. You can get on a path that goes along this marshland that's on Mare Island there. Just that, that goes out to where uh, the bay is. San Pablo Bay. And so I want you to try to picture this. I'm walking along to my left for a long stretch. There's, there's just open marshland. On my, to my right, across the road, there's a row of homes. So I'm walking along and I'm not paying attention to these homes over here. I'm just looking out onto the bay and enjoying the view and I'm, I'm walking along. And, and I stepped, it was a, a winter day, it was a bright sunny day, but it was winter, and it was, so it was crisp and cold, and I was uh, a little cold, cool, to be, to be uh, honest. And I'm walking along, and all of a sudden, I stepped into this warmth. And it was kind of like, you know, how at your house, when the heat comes on on a cold day, and maybe you've got registers that are coming down from the ceiling, and you step under them and just kind of, ah, uh, you know, let the warmth flow over you. So I'm the only one that does that? Okay. Anyway, it was like that. I'm just walking along and, f you know, I'm out, I, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm stunned. I don't know where this heat is coming from. And I kind of, I kind of went back and forth and, you know, tried to find the spot. And <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. And what was happening, I finally figured it out. The sun was setting and it was the, the sun was reflecting off the windows of the, of the homes that were to my right and reaching me on that spot in a condensed fashion. So it was like a beam of light that was just warming that one spot. I want to live my life in that spot where the light of Jesus reflects on me, you know. Where I, I have the warmth of his presence. We were talking, singing earlier about that fire in our souls that we want to keep vibrant and alive. I want to live in that spot. It's not that God, don't get me wrong, God is always in, in motion and moving and things change and so forth. But the warmth of his presence is something that can abide with us at all times. Light also comforts. I, I said a minute ago that my son and I um, spent some time at our cabin down in Southern California in the, up at Big Bear Lake. And uh, I didn't this time, but normally the route I take uh, to get there, I go through um, a pretty long stretch of highway through the high desert of, of California. And there's nothing out there. Nothing. 
And there's this just long, straight road that I'm on, usually all by myself in the middle of the night, because that's usually when I'm traveling to the cabin. And finally you reach this place where there's a little bit of a hill that you come up to, and then on the other side of it, you see the lights of this little tiny town that nobody has ever heard of before. There's probably five people that live there, but there's light. And when I'm out there driving in the middle of the night and there's nothing for miles and miles, a straight highway, and I'm thinking, man, if my car breaks down, they're going to find my bones here. And, you know, it's, you, those thoughts kind of come to your mind, right? But when I get to the rise and I can see the lights of that little town, there's, a, there's something that starts to happen in me of comfort. I start to feel, ah, I'm going to make it. It's going to be okay, <laughs> you know. And I love that about my Savior. He shows up in the dark times and he's like that light that assures me, it's going to be okay, you're going to make it. I'm with you. I mean, even the moon and stars, when you're out on a dark night and, and you see the moon and the stars, aren't they just kind of reassuring that, you know, things are going to be okay? That reflected light. Light also guides us when I was a kid, I used to go to camp about, you know, I was just like, um, I don't know, maybe seven, eight, nine years old in there. And um, I'd go for a week or two to camp every year. And one of the things we, I mean, it was a boys camp. So we did stuff like, you know, uh, make torches and, and uh, shoot uh, BB guns and, you know, that kind of stuff. We loved all that kind of stuff. But one of the things we would do is uh, take a flashlight hike at night. And uh, I learned real quickly, you got to make sure you f follow that light because <laughs> you can trip over stuff and, you know, you can, again, they may never find you again, that kind of thing. <laughs> but I'll bet that there's some of us here uh, this morning who could use some guidance, some direction about something. I got a call this week, and this is not abnormal. I get, I get this all the time, but I got a call from someone who is considering a career change and just wanted you know, where's God in this? What is he saying? Can you help me kind of figure out where I'm at? And um, We need God. We want his will to be done. But he's not withholding his guidance from us. Um, you know, guidance and how to discern it, and so that's another story, another teaching. But let me just say, when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, part of what he was saying is, you can trust me to guide you. I know the way. Uh, light <clears throat> also exposes. You know, not that long ago I had a, a fluid leak from my car and I could not for the life of me figure out what it was. You know, I could I tried to, I de I'm, I'm the world's worst auto mechanic so don't even come to me with your stuff. I can, I, I, I will make it worse, I promise. But, uh, I would see the drops on my driveway or my uh, garage floor and tried my best to figure out, is this oil? Is this, um, you know, brake fluid? Is this radiator fluid? What in the world is leaking? And, I, and it wasn't sufficient. It wasn't just gushing out of there, you know, so it was obvious. I could not figure out what it was. So finally I took it to a mechanic and he put it up on the hoist and uh, gets out his flashlight and he says, see that right there? 
that's what's leaking. I don't remember what it was, but see, that's. And my next question is, okay, what's that going to cost me? <laughs> oh, everything, you know. <laughs> but hey, isn't that like Jesus, though? I mean, you know, we we got stuff leaking, and we don't know where it's, you know, where it's coming from. And we come to him and we say, Jesus, what is wrong? What the heck is broken here? What needs fixing? And he'll take his light and shine right on it and say, see that right there? I'd like to help you fix that. Well, what's that going to cost? Everything. No, <laughs> oh, but oh, how good our God is. To know he's willing to do that for us. Light also cleanses. You know when you go to the dentist. And he takes out all that gear. And starts cramming it in your mouth. That stuff has been sanitized by ultraviolet light. A spectrum of light that cleanses germs. And you know I am grateful that the Lord is. Um, and his light is able to cleanse away the debris. The filth of my my life you know it's such a delight to be able to just recall in those moments when you feel kind of dirty you know that my that my savior paid for my sin that I could stand before him white as snow that's what the Bible says Now that, that brings up another story that has nothing to do with this, but we're talking about dentists and I can't help it. It comes to my mind. It's one of the most, it's one of those scarring moments of my life. I made the mistake of going to my dentist who was a friend and uh, asking him, I've only had one wisdom tooth removed. I should have probably had a bunch of them, but I only had one removed because it was really causing me trouble and I couldn't afford to go to a, an, uh, you know, an orthodontic or you know, the surgeon guy. And um, I asked, so I asked my buddy, the dentist, I said, could you take care of it for me? And he says, ah, okay. I didn't know what that meant, you know. <laughs> so he gets me in the chair. <laughs> he's, you know, they got me all juiced up with stuff, you know. And, and uh, he's looking down on me, and this mask and all this stuff, and his little uh, assistant comes into view. You know, I'm looking up at them. And, and he pulls out a crowbar. I'm not kidding you. And he starts to work on me. I'm numb, but I can still hear it. <coughs> and his little dental assistant is going. <laughs> it's not good when you're looking up at that, you know. Anyway. It had nothing to do with that, but you know. <laughs> Another thing that light does is it nourishes these days we are dealing with a deficiency in vitamin D. Most of us are because we don't get enough sunlight. We're afraid of it and you know I guess that's rightly so but we're, we're lathered up with so much sunscreen these days that we're, we're not getting enough vitamin D. But we are meant to be nourished by the sun and our Savior being in his light, just being with him. I was praying about this this morning. I had a little prayer time this morning before I came down here and I was just praying, God, I, I have a lot to do in my, in my prayer life, it seems. You know, I've, I've got people I'm concerned about that I want to bring before you, issues that I want to pray about and needs that I have and so on. But Lord, help me not to forget 
to just be with you, to just be saturated by your light, just soaking it up. I need the nourishment of my spirit that comes when I'm just, when your light is just beaming on me, you know. One more and I'll let you get out of here. Uh, light also empowers. You know, the, these days when we're really looking to find sources of clean energy, you know, uh, sunlight is, sun power is becoming a big deal. And I'm, I'm glad for that. But I need power too. So do you. The stuff that life throws at me, I'm sure is not inconsistent with what comes your way. I'm not up to it. I don't have the power. I don't have what it's going to take to muscle through a lot of what life gives me and hurls in my direction. But Jesus does. And his light empowers me. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be, you shall be witnesses to me. Now, uh, I promised to let you go but I want to have you read just a couple more verses with me. Matthew chapter 5. So if you're in John, you're going to backtrack through Luke, through Mark, and then you're going to get to Matthew in chapter 5. And I want you to look with me at verses 14, 15, and 16. Matthew 5. Jesus is speaking, and uh, he says this, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. This is startling. Jesus, remember, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And now he turns around and he says, You are you, Rod? You, Ferlin? You, Chris? You are the light of the world. All this stuff that we've been talking about that Jesus is to us, that reference that he made when he said, I am the light of the world, he was saying, I attract, I warm, I comfort, I guide, I expose, I cleanse, I nourish, I empower, all of that. He says, We are in this world. Don't dodge that. <laughs> he said that. You. You are the light of the world. The light of, of our Savior that has so impacted us, he wants to reflect off of our lives into a dark world that needs all of that. This is recording number 11257 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Foursquare Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, April 30, 2017. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, Light of the World.